It's Saturday the 23rd of September and this is Demolition News Radio. Under normal circumstances, Saturday episodes of Demolition News Radio are usually an omnibus edition. A collection of the week's audio recordings all packaged and presented for a spot of easy weekend listening. But as I spent much of this week nursing a chest infection that left me unable to speak clearly, and in light of the day I enjoyed out yesterday, I thought I'd offer you something just a little different this week. So the story that follows is part demolition site visit, part trip down memory lane, and partly satisfying a food-related itch that I've endured for far too long. This show is brought to you by Hydroquip, the UK's largest independent provider of on-site hose repairs. Call 0845-812-0212 for the 24-7 national call-out service. Or download the Hydroquip Job Manager app for iOS and Android devices from the App Store. My dad, who is also called Mark, grew up in a tiny terraced house in Greenwalk in Bermondsey, south-east London. Together with his mum May and his dad, another Mark, they lived in the top half of a house while his aunt and uncle lived in the bottom half, sharing the solitary and often chilly outside toilet. It was from this house that my dad got married, and years later, when I came along, it was this house in which my grandparents continued to live until my grandfather passed away. The house was cramped and cold, and bizarrely their front or living room was seldom used. Regardless of how many people were in the house, everyone always gathered in the kitchen, possibly because it was the warmest room in the house. But trips to that house meant more to me than just seeing my grandparents. When we visited, there was always the possibility that we might also visit Manzi's, the pie and mash shop just up the road from my father's childhood home. And for anyone born outside London, pie and mash is precisely what it says, and it is so much more. Built originally to feed the poorer people of London, these pie mash and houses evolved to become a hub and a meeting point. Manzi's, located just a stone's throw from the financial core of the City of London, regularly feeds an eclectic mix of local people, tradesmen and builders in jeans, and city gents in suits, shirts and ties. As a Londoner, pie mash is to me what paella is to a Spaniard, what spaghetti is to an Italian, what haggis is to a Scot. Sure, it's a food, but it's also my birthright. And with hindsight, I think there's something unspoken about my connection with this particular pie and mash shop. As a child, just after the Second World War, my dad ate his meals from a metal plate, on the base of which he had scratched his name. When I went to my grandparents many years later, I was always given this plate upon which to eat my pie and mash. Each portion of pie and mash, and occasionally fish and chips, linked me back to my father's own childhood. So when I was given the opportunity to revisit Bermondsey and Manzi's pie and mash shop with my son and cameraman Fred, and yes, his middle name is also Mark, just to show that we haven't lost our lack of imagination, I seized the chance with both hands. What's all this got to do with demolition? Find out next. And now, a word from our sponsor. CanTrack Global provides the only tracking device capable of working on demolition equipment and attachments out of the box. Its super rugged design is fully waterproof and provides both the equipment location and the ability to recover in the event of a theft. 
Attachment recoveries were up 220% in 2016. See CanTrackGlobal.com or Google the CanTrack asset to find out more. Downwell Demolition are taking down a block in Crimscott Street, just around the corner from where my father went to school, and just a few hundred yards from the front door of Manzi's. From the moment Managing Director Matt Phillips mentioned a possible visit to the site for an episode of Demolition TV, I had in mind a combined day of work and pilgrimage. And the weather gods truly smiled upon us. When we arrived on site yesterday, the site was bathed in autumn sunshine. In fact, when I later drove Pat past Clapham Common, dozens of people were still sunbathing in late September. Say what you like about global warming, but it does have its upsides too. Either by design or good fortune, we arrived at precisely the same time as Matthew High, Downwell's project coordinator and the unspoken hero of their impressive social media profile. From the moment we walked through the gates, I could sense this was going to be a good day. I am on and off demolition sites all the time. Some are frantic, others are relaxed. Some are welcoming, and others treat you like an unwanted interloper. And while all are regulated, some wear those regulations more lightly than others. Under the direction of site manager John Cloak, Downwell's Bermondsey project was all the positive elements for site visit rolled into one. The signing in process, once for the client and once for Downwell, was fast and relaxed. The site induction that followed, conducted in the sunshine, told us all that we needed to know without treating us like idiots and without putting the fear of God into us. The site was extraordinarily tidy and despite the sunshine and occasional autumn breeze, dust was virtually non-existent, kept at bay by a series of suppression points around the site. When we arrived, the company's Volvo EC700 excavator, with its distinctive black high-reach boom, was parked up while the base of the building was tidied up still further. A Caterpillar skid steer loader was being greased, and a Hitachi excavator was busily munching concrete while one of the site operatives played water on the pulverizer from a hose. And all of this took place in virtual silence. Now I say silence, but there's no such thing as a silent demolition site. The squeak from the tracks of an excavator, the whoomph of concrete hitting the ground from a height, the pulse of a hydraulic breaker. But there was no shouting, there were no barked instructions. This was a site in which everyone clearly knew their role and just got on with it. In fact, I heard site manager John raise his voice just once, and that was purely because the person he was speaking to was 15 metres up in a work platform. Filming and photographing demolition is all about angles and vantage points. And that's why we rely so heavily on the use of a drone ca to capture the demolition process. But yesterday, because of the central location, we decided to leave our drone at home. Thankfully, Matthew High and John Cloak had a solution. Although the neighbouring building is not coming down entirely, it does fall under Downward Demolition's jurisdiction. And so we took the opportunity to climb the stairs to the roof. And I'm so glad that we did. Not only did that vantage point allow us to see the entire site to take in the scope of works facing downward, it also set the site in context. From ground level, this could have been any block on any street in, the sit in any city in the UK, or the world. But from the roof, it suddenly became a part of London. On the skyline, slightly to the left, is the Shard, a stunning testament to the architect's art and one of the most striking buildings in the world. 
Just to, to the right of that is the jumble of highly individual tower blocks with their equally individual names that make up the city of London. The gherkin, the cheese grater, and the walkie-talkie, heat, heat and light shimmering from its reflective front side. Once again, I was struck by just how relaxed and orchestrated the site felt. Looking down on the site from six stories up, site manager John could see everyone and everything, but no one was slacking. No one was taking an unplanned break or doing anything they shouldn't. The job just progressed below us like a well-oiled machine. It's a testament to the smooth running of the site that I was largely unaware of the passage of time. In fact, had it not been for the rumble of my stomach reminding me that it was lunchtime, I could have happily stayed there all afternoon. But Manzi's was calling. Now you need to understand something more here. I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes about six months ago, and as many have spotted from recent photo and video appearances, my body is now a carb-free temple. I've lost the best part of three stone in weight, and I've been eating like a monk that entire time. But seriously, Manzi's. Despite my skinnier frame and the fact that I haven't eaten potatoes in any form for almost half a year, I ordered what was once my usual. Two pies, mash and liquor. And again, if you're from outside London, you'll just have to Google liquor. It's the biggest meal I've had in what felt like forever. I waddled back to the car, full and more than a bit uncomfortable. But it was worth it. By some strange quirk of serendipity, I received an email while we were eating our lunch. Several months ago, I backed a Kickstarter campaign to help a guy called Stuart Friedman publish a new book, The Englishman and the Eel, London's Eel Pie and Mash Shops. Yesterday, he sent me an email to say the book is now at the printer and that I will be receiving my copy very soon. I backed the campaign because I love books, because I love pie and mash, even though I don't get to eat it very often these days. And I backed it because I'm keen to read the history of these shops and their part in the fabric of the London in which I grew up. But most of all, I backed the book so that I could get an advanced copy to give to my dad. That metal plate from which we both ate decades apart has long gone. Bermondsey has changed beyond all recognition from when I was a boy, and even more so since my dad lived there. But pie and mash, like the bond between father and son, endures. So thanks, Delmore, for a great day out. Thanks, Manzies, for a superb lunch. And most of all, thanks, Dad, for introducing me to Pyre Mash, or, as you would call it, Nectar of the Gods. Thanks for listening.